Skin. Yeah. Eye. Ugh. Ear. Ugh. Hey, maniacs. Hey, maniacs. This is Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs <laughs> is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. If you let your kids eat cheese, they can probably listen to this podcast. Probably, probably. But if they're prone to beating people with cheese, maybe you shouldn't let it inspire them. Murder by cheese. Cheese killer. I'm Sarah. I'm Mark. <laughs> It feels like years and years since we recorded, and all we did was take one week. We took one week because our dear, sweet Fanny passed. It was a week that felt longer than a week, though, I have to admit. It did. And thank you all so much for all of the love we received. You guys were fantastic. Yep. We we struggled with, uh, maybe we should just go ahead and record... It always makes us happy to record. We have so much fun doing it. And I thought, on one hand, like, it would actually be kind of beneficial to laugh a little bit, but just, just too out of sorts. Because of when it happened and everything, yeah. it just made sense. And you guys and were great. Thank you, you guys so much were for your so nice messages. And helpful. Yeah, it was so. tough. It was tough. So thank you so much. But we're good. We also missed. Our two-year anniversary of our first episode dropping, which was the 29th of July. 2019? Yes. Wow. Which seems like a million years <laughs> ago. That was in the before times, you know? Like, we had no, no concept what the world was going to be like nine months after that, seven months after and that. And 24 months after that? We're Woo! We still don't really know what's going on. Yeah, because yep. this is episode 95. Yes. We're almost at 100 episodes, which seems so weird also. That's crazy. This is also the last Jones episode. Yes. So this is episode six of season 15, the last Jones episode. Schooled in murder. And we're going to do this episode. And then there's kind of going to be a secret special episode we'll talk about in a little while. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to start season... 16 so there won't be a break but there kind of will be a break but you'll 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 see it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome do you think because this is jones leaving this is the end of like almost the first part of the series because this is the last person to have worked with john nettles i can see saying that that kind of demarks something important the last person to have worked on the show when john nettles was still there leaving the show it kind of it's like the entire cast has now switched over yeah but to me the barnaby change is a much bigger change so to me that's when the show really changed that that's completely understandable going from tom to john was a is big i just noticed that so i thought we should talk about it but i'm glad that they kept jones through that transition because if they had swapped everybody Jones and George were there through the transition, and I thought that helped it. I think that made it better. I think so, too. And Jones sticking around for a whole season after, I think, is a good thing. I think so, too. Yeah. And I miss him, but the show continues on oh, and is great. So 
doing great stuff now. So. Yeah, and we see him again. Yep. So this episode <laughs> is filmed in July and August of 2012. It must have been actually cool in those caves in, in July and August. Which the whole know. idea of the caves is that it's the same temperature year-round. Yes. So, no. Broad, yes. Broadcast date, <laughs> uh, 30th of January, 2013. 6.89 million views, directed by a guy named Andy Hay and written by Lisa Holdsworth. I did some digging on this woman. Mm-hmm. So do you know anything about her? I know she she wrote this episode and then she goes on to write several more. Four Midsummer episodes. Mm-hmm. She also wrote All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. So the episode in the new version of All Creatures Great and Small where there's a ho- race horse and a big ethical dilemma. She Maybe she's an animal person because the uh, one of the other midsummers she wrote is um, Red and Tooth and Claw, the werewolf episode. Yeah. So that we did a mini episode mm-hmm. that Father Brown is in. Mm-hmm. But she's also the chair of the Writers Guild of Great Britain, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy and amazing. But there's one more amazing thing about her. What's that? We're going to interview her this week. Yes, we are. And it's it's totally crazy how we managed to get this interview. <laughs> well, no, we got this interview because the thing we always say about England is true. We know somebody who knows somebody who knows her. Yes. Who just happened to see the somebody they know in a bar and texted us and said, hey, I know this person who knows somebody who wrote a Midsummer. Do you want me to ask them if like maybe they would be willing to ask her if she'd be willing to talk to you? And we're like, um, yeah. It, it was one of the Lovejoy actually. Was, ladies, yes. So. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> we are super Super excited to talk to Lisa. Now, when this episode drops, it will be August 9th, and we are talking to her on August 13th. So, if you're listening to this the day it drops, you have about 48 hours. If you want to send us a question about this episode or the other ones she's written, and you can look on IMDb and and see the other ones she's written, we will ask your questions. So. She seems to be an amazing lady. Send them to us on the Twitter or the subreddit or email or whatever, and uh, we'll we'll note them down. Yep. But you got to do it fast. I can safely say without artifice, uh, if you're listening, Lisa, this is the best written Widsummer of all time. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, oh, what if she listens to this before the interview? Okay, we can't really... Ah, uh, knock it. Like, don't don't say anything about bad at the writing. It's she's, a good episode. She's so a pretty matter. amazing lady. I think she could probably take any amount of criticism that anybody would say to her and also be able to say, well, I didn't come up with that part. That was the producer's. Or, um, you know, when you're the president of the Writers Guild, uh, you can let me know yeah. how you're doing. <laughs> you know, when you've written... 20 episodes of TV shows, you, you let me know, and then yeah. I'll, I'll watch those and give you a little critique. So that episode with Lisa Hollingsworth, Holdsworth, sorry, Lisa Holdsworth, will be dropping on the 16th of August. So the week after this one. So it'd be like a regular episode time, but it's not going to cover an episode. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this one. It's we'll kind of talk- two weeks of schooled and murder. Yeah. And then on the 23rd of August... Back to regularly scheduled programming. Back to regularly scheduled programming. And I got to tell you, August is the most insane month of all time, right? <laughs> I, I, I think August 2021 will go down as the busiest month 
ever. Mm-hmm. You and I are both going back to work. Mm-hmm. We have four children starting school. Two are, one is living near campus. One is living on campus. Both of which expect us to help them move. All four are moving full time. Mm-hmm. Classes start on the 23rd of August. Mm-hmm. You start to teach a class mm-hmm. on the 23rd of August. Mm-hmm. And that's about half of what we have to do. And that's all happening in a 10-day window. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind Halloween and all the other stuff that we are already working on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's all great. I'm yeah. very fortunate. I, I have no complaints about any of that. It's awesome. That we, we are, our kids are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm complaining about our children. It's just with four children... Much like meals, it just creates a lot. Yeah, it's just more of everything. So if you're at home <laughs> and you have one child, multiply it by four. And they're all the same age. So. Yes. Yay. <laughs> so every meal is like a dinner party. This is why I tell people that every meal is like a dinner party. Yeah, when they were younger, every meal was like being a cafeteria lady. Yeah. And now it's like throwing a dinner party every single night. Like, oh, you cook for three people every night? How hard for you. <laughs> I cook for six, and four of them are bottomless pits, okay? Our grocery order is insane. What we spend on groceries is more than most people spend on their mortgage. Yes. But two of them are moving out. (laughs) Ha ha ha! And we'll have to eat somewhere else. (laughs) I'm excited about this. Yes. Can you tell? (laughs) That that first week after the groceries Mm -hmm. go down, Mm -hmm. the grocery Mm -hmm. store is going to be like, is there something wrong? Are you guys okay? (laughs) You're not spending so much on groceries. Oh, This episode is a doozy also for the reason that this is the number one death count. What is it, five people? Five people are, are, well, four people are murdered. And one by accident. One by accident. Yeah. So five people die. It's a lot. And it is, is the episode that people who are not old school Midsummer fans talk about. Yeah. Like, if you're not Die Hard and you've not watched it since episode one and you talk about Midsummer, you're like, oh, it's crazy. People get murdered in this little village. You wouldn't think there'd be anybody left. They even killed somebody with a wheel of cheese. Yeah. That's this episode. And, you know, I I don't want to talk up Lisa too much, but she understands Midsummer. Yes. Right away with the death. Yes. Right away with the death. It's called Midsummer Murders. Death after death after death. Like, it just, it's a cornucopia of dying in this episode <laughs> and all fun methods of death which is something that is also a signature midsummer thing like when greg dies i'm like oh yeah you're dying <laughs> yeah like i was like oh it's on yeah it's it's such a fun episode we're in midsummer pastures again with the everybody who lives in this village has to be involved in milk in some way Yes. Milk, cheese, cows, cow-related schools with scholarships, everybody. If you don't like cows, you can't live in this village. Go the live Midsummer somewhere else. Pastures Preparatory School with headmistress Sylvia Eleanor Montford. Montford. Played by Maggie Steed, who everybody knows. It's really the Council of Karens. Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> This is why I've always stayed away from parents, councils, PTA meetings. Anybody who voluntarily wears four-inch heels when they could have on sneakers, I I don't understand. I mean, more power to them, but it's not me. Now, 
Debbie Moffat, played by Martine McCutcheon, gets out of the car, and the first thing we see are her metallic gold heels. Actually, before that, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Should they really be locking a school gate? (laughs) I noted that. (laughs) She drives up to the gate, and it is locked with a big padlock. On the outside. This is not something you do to a school. Like, these parents are not going anywhere. (laughs) The meeting has started, and no one will leave. She steps out of the car... And the first thing we see are her feet. And she has this great big tattoo on the top of one of her feet. But she also has pantyhose on. Yep. And I wondered if that tattoo is real. Because that is such a clever little touch about her character. Yep. That she has a big tattoo, but she also wears hose. Yes. So she does have some refinement. Yes. She knows that she should wear pantyhose. Well, Deborah went They to are the, the work of the devil, by the yes, way. Pantyhose. I can only they imagine. So uncomfortable. Having seen w- women getting in them, getting into pantyhose, yeah, then I, wear them all day. Yeah, oh, yeah. anyway, um, I just thought that was a clever They're little like touch. The tallest sock, and I we haven't talked about this before, and this is a tiny detail, <laughs> but I'm I wear the the smallest sock. You possible. wear footies. I, you wear I, footies. Yeah. If if I can see your socks above your shoes, it's because all of your socks are dirty. Because uh, otherwise, they're I hate footies. socks. <laughs> so stockings like that, like uh, pantyhose, just they're not just the tallest socks. They also have a crotch. Yes. Ugh. And it Yuck. binds and it twists. And when yep. pantyhose twist, it's like getting a burn on Ugh. the inside of your leg all day. And you can't fix it. The only way to fix it is to take them completely off and put them on again. Yeah. Anyhow, I think. We, we know who she is right off the bat. Yep. We've seen the Council of Karens. Yep. And then we see her and we know, okay, she was a scholarship girl. Can I, can I also She's say another way that they did that? Mm. Her, it's a little cold with her dress. Oh, well, we know where your eyes are going. It's a bit nipply. <laughs> she's working it. She she's, is. She's gorgeous. Well, so, okay. <laughs> I thought about this. Her and Jim are the only people who actually work at the dairy, and they both work really hard. Apparently. She she busts into this padlocked meeting. I yes. love that she just drives through the gates. Yep. Like, major damage there to her car and to the gates. Yep. And throws a little fit about her daughter being thrown out of the school, tears a banner down from the ceiling. Yes. And then stomps out. Yes. She has made her scene. Yeah. Then she gets the call. Let's have a meetup at the Cheese Cave. You're on. She's ready for a fight and somebody else knows it. She almost hits the kid. I know. In his red herring outfit. Sorry. (laughs) All all he's there for. Jake. Jake the red herring. Debbie Moffat goes to the Cheese Caves and is killed. It's weird because I thought this was the middle of the day. But then I was like, why are they having parents meeting in the middle of the day? Well, they could because none of the Karens have day jobs probably. Yeah. But they don't. So uh, I always um, I always forget that she is actually killed by cheese because at first the, the shelf of cheese is pushed over onto her. Mm-hmm. And then... Somebody picks up the cheese and smashes her head with it Mm -hmm. in such a way that it leaves no mark on her head and no broken cheese around it. Welcome to my hell. Okay. (laughs) 
I, I, I have to think that Martine was like, I'll be the first one to die, but I must look gorgeous. <laughs> but my eyes have to be wide open. Wide open. So the shelf falls on her and that would hurt. Those are big, heavy shelves and it's a hard floor. So her Absolutely. head smacks the floor. Yep. And the, and the weight. It's easy to see that she might be dazed. That would definitely daze you. Probably break some ribs. Yep. Maybe a concussion. Yep. It might even crack your skull open hitting the floor that hard. I'll give you that. But then she's finished off with a wheel of cheese. Now let's talk about this cheese. Okay. It's a blue. Yes. Which is a soft cheese. That That is problematic that I kind of was like, okay, it's a soft cheese. So we're just going to accept that it has really hard rind, I guess. It doesn't though. I know. It has kind of a flexible rind. Yes. So being the nerd that I am, I go online and find a force calculator based on the weight of a typical wheel of blue cheese, which is 16 to 18 pounds. Okay. Assuming that the person who wielded it, Haley, lifted it to her maximum height. Let's say she holds it way up in her arms, let's say eight feet. Okay. And drops it from there, even with force. It takes over a thousand pounds to actually shatter a skull, to break a skull. Yeah. You cannot get that. No. From a wheel of cheese. So in my mind, though we don't see her do it, she must smash her with the wheel of cheese over and over and over again. (laughs) She must, but still leave her looking perfect. It must be a good rind. Yep. That it doesn't go all over yep. her. Because, oh, just, uh blue cheese, uh mixed with blood, ugh, on your, in your, oh, in your hair. It no. would be bad. It'd be nasty. When I was doing, looking for images for this episode, there are a lot of images of Martine with the wide eyes yes. for this episode. She's got pretty eyes. Yeah. So it's understandable. Do you remember her um, in the Bertram's Hotel Miss Marple. That's where I first noticed her. And I thought she did so well. In no, that. you had to have noticed her in Love Actually. Well, yes, she's in Love Actually, too. That's no, right. That's, though she plays kind of, doesn't, isn't she a, a start out as a maid in Love Actually, too? Not or a, a maid, secretary like or a, something? Like an assistant. Yeah. Who falls in love with the person. She's a maid in, in Bertram's Hotel. That is, as far as I'm concerned... The version of Bertram's Hotel that has Martine McCutcheon in it is the best version of Miss Marple's Bertram's Hotel. Yeah, so that's a Geraldine McEwen episode. She is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, in that episode, it has Peter Davidson is in that episode. Mm-hmm. Mark Heap is in that episode. He plays, He's he was in Spaced and a whole bunch yeah. of... Of, of other things. And uh, it has the the woman who sings, play, she plays Amelia Walker. Mm-hmm. She does the, the jazz singing and everything. And then yeah. there's Danny Webb as the guy with the hats who is brilliant. No hats for you. No hats for you. If you haven't seen that version of Bertram's Hotel, even if you're not a big Marble fan, go watch it. It's so good. It has Stephen Mangan as the inspector. Mm-hmm. He played Dirk Gently in a series. He's a great actor. He And him and, and Martine have a kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is best described as lovely. It is. 
It it's is beautiful. Absolutely lovely. The whole episode. Let's talk about cheese caves. Okay, cheese caves. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you understand roughly why cheese cheeses are sometimes aged in caves. Caves have a kind of a uniform temperature year-round, and it's a good temperature for cheese. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. They have kind of um, stable levels of humidity, but they also are homes to unique bacteria, which sounds bad, but it's actually good yep. for some cheeses, right? So there are plenty of cheese caves around the world. And of course, when you go to France and stuff, they're more likely to be natural caves, real yes. caves. In the U.S. What are these markings on the wall? Oh, well, pay no attention to them. <laughs> Let's put the cheese in here. <laughs> Why are there handprints and Buffalo painted on the wall. Um, 40,000-year-old art or cheese. <laughs> in the U.S., most chief's caves are man-made. They're like... Like, I wonder... There, there's a giant man-made cave not far from here in Kentucky. I wonder if they keep cheese in there. No, but there's one in South Bend where they keep a lot of cheese. But it's... I mean, it, it looks like a bunker. It doesn't look yeah. like a cave. It, no. it doesn't... They don't even fake it. It's no. a room underground. Like, But it's like... Two stories underground, yeah. right? It's not a basement. No. Um, but what I didn't know about cheese caves is that in the U.S., the biggest cheese cave in the world okay. is in the U.S. Okay. It is a man-made cheese cave. Okay. And it is where the United States government keeps the U.S. cheese surplus. Wait a minute. A U.S. cheese surplus? Now, okay, I understand that there is a U.S. gasoline surplus. Mm -hmm. Okay, that it's makes... A, it's a strategic reserve. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I understand in Canada that there is a maple syrup reserve, mm -hmm. which also makes sense mm -hmm. because the economy in certain parts of Canada is really based upon the amount of maple syrup that is in the market. Mm -hmm. But I did not know there was a U.S. cheese strategic reserve. Okay, so it's not strategic. Okay, it's it's no strategic, Marie. This is the big difference between the ones you're talking about and the ones I'm talking about. The ones you're talking about are like, this is a commodity that was that is so key to the economy that if we ever had some disruption in the flow of it, it would really disrupt things. So we need to have a strategic reserve so that if prices fluctuate or supplies fluctuate, we we can inf we can put this stuff back into the economy and yep. keep things going, right? That is not the case with the with the cheese surplus. Okay, the cheese surplus. The cheese surplus is the result of lower lower demands on dairy for a period of time and the US saying, "Well, if we've got more milk than we need, let's turn it into cheese." Cheese it, lasts. It'll last right? longer. But then it got weird. Okay. Because Ronald Reagan decided that cheese was good for everybody. Okay. And so we would weaponize the cheese surplus against poor people. Okay. And say, if you're poor and you're on food stamps or some kind of subsidized diet, guess what? Government cheese. You get the government cheese. Yep. There's even pictures of him waving around these cheeses. Now, this is not a wheel of cheese. No. No, no. This They're is like a, cheese logs. It's a brick. Yeah, it's like a brick it's of a, cheese. It's like Velveeta. Yeah. It's somewhere between American and Velveeta, but it is made with milk. I, I ate government cheese as a child. By the way, for the rest of the world, 
processed cheese is called American cheese in America. And and Velveeta is like processed cheese food. Yes. Is what they have to call it. Yes. Okay. But this stuff is made with milk, but... And I ate it as a kid. We, I mean, we didn't have a lot sometimes, and so we, we ate it as a kid. It does make a really good grilled cheese. I'll give it that. Yep. But there is now, if you want to have some fun on Google, just search for U.S. government cheese conspiracy. Oh. Because there are people who think that it was purposeful, that it wasn't like, what are we going to do with 1.9 billion, with a B, pounds of cheese? I know, we'll give it to poor people. They think that the 1.9 billion pounds of cheese was created for that purpose to like enslave the poor people and get them hooked on bad food. Do you know how hard it is to make cheese? (laughs) (laughs) Well, harder than it is to make processed cheese. Yeah. But you should look up pictures Okay. Of the U.S. Cheese Reserve, and we'll put we'll put pictures of all the reserves that it's we incredible. I had yep. no idea. Yeah. How how big it was, massive. Boy, boy, Greg has a party room. Does all to himself at the hotel. Champagne and candy. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks that he and Debbie are going to be celebrating this big deal with a, a grocery store, which he chain. would have been celebrating. And in the Greg. Is not cheating on his wife. Nope. Greg moved from the city to help run his, his wife's father's dairy. Right. She Haley inherits it. Greg Greg is trying. He's yeah. letting her write. Yeah. Greg and running her family farm and dairy. And I, he's trying the best he can. Haley don't care. Haley don't care. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to be there for six months and not a day longer. And, so, and Debbie, who we find out later, sends some salacious images, which is just like, hmm, we have Martine in this episode. Let's. <laughs> we got to have some undie pictures let's, somehow. Let's, let's send some I know she dies five minutes in, but like 15 minutes in, undie pics. Undie pics. But she sends those to the husband of. Oliver Ordish. Yeah, Oliver Ordish. Greg gets a bum rap in this episode. He does. And a painful death. Oof. Jim Caxton runs the the cheese making place. Yes. The cheesery. What would you call it? Is is it? It's not a dairy. You make cheese at a dairy. Okay. So, so it's we'll, all so part we'll call of the it a dairy. dairy. Okay. It's all part of the dairy. And <laughs> Jim is played by Con O'Neill, whose voice I love. He, he has this weird voice, and I think it's great. And he is a great. British character actor. He has played some really awful people mm-hmm. and some really good, warm, gentle people. So he was in a few episodes of Queens of Mystery where he was really good. Yeah. He was in an episode or two of Wild Bill, that Rob Lowe British show. Yep. Which is really good. If you want to see him play an officious jerk, watch Chernobyl. Yes. Because he plays one of the Soviet government officials to a T. In his polyester suit and his greasy hair. So what do you make of Jim Caxton? Is, is he cheese obsessed or is he just like socially awkward? He, he is a number of things. First of all, he is all about cheese and making the best cheese possible. He's I dedicated think, to I it. I think he's really dedicated mm-hmm. to cheese and the process in which you make cheese. Mm-hmm. Also, he is so in love with his w- dead brother's wife. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I don't think, 
I think they do a great job of how the both of them have guilt and attraction to each other. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's a tough row. Yeah. You know, like, like how long do you wait? Especially since his brother killed himself. His brother killed himself. Like, yeah, that that is tough. And they do a complex job of that. But in most scenes, Caxton is like, what people? It's only cheese. Yeah. Like, there's a dead body. So, my cheese. Yeah. So, she was murdered. So, my cheese. <laughs> yeah. He's a little cheese obsessed. <laughs> He's a little one track minded about the cheese. Yes. But I think they do a good job of expanding. Like, that's what you think at first. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's deeper than that. But initially, he's like, cheese, then people. Yes. <laughs> Don't mess with my cheese, man. I have a note here that they go to the school where they meet Karen Karen of Karen. <laughs> In the Karen meeting. Well, they're, uh, they say, are they yummy mummies or Stepford wives? Yeah, so Stepford wives. Do you know about Stepford wives? So tell me what you know about Stepford wives and I'll tell you where you're wrong. Okay, so what I know about Stepford wives is it was a book. Yep. That was also made into a movie. A couple of movies. About... A place called Stepford, where all of the women are sort of copies. They're sort of robotic, if they're not really robots. I can't remember if they're actually robots, but they're like perfect. So a lot of people think the Stepford wives are robots, mm. and they're not. Ah. That's, are that they clones is, or something? No, that's the, the conceit is that, so it's a book in the 70s, 1972 is when it was released, where... This woman and her husband moved to Stepford, and she's like a photographer and a free spirit. A free spirit. She's not one of them. And she basically is like, these people are crazy. Obviously, they're robots because all the men are like engineers, and there's even a Disney Imagineer as oh. one of the uh, husbands. So she's like convinced they're robots. And there's a climactic scene. I'm giving away this book that's almost 50 years old. I think you're okay. Spoiler alert. Where she says, if I can cut this person's hand for for you to prove to me they're not robots, I'll I'll believe you. And if it bleeds, we can kill it. uh, Yes. (laughs) Essentially, what happens is just it cuts, the book cuts just before she cuts this woman's hand. And the next scene we see her completely brainwashed and submissive and she's one of them she's one of them so it's all brainwashing i could have sworn it was robots i thought they were robots ira 11 is quite the guy he wrote the book yeah okay this is what else he wrote okay let's start small a kiss before dying do you know this movie Mm. kiss before dying it's got samuel l jackson in it a really good sleeper hit from Mm -hmm. the 80s okay then he he uh, he wrote that in '53, and there's been actually been two remakes of that. I'd like to see one of them. It's about a woman who's an assassin mm-hmm. who loses her memory. She, then he wrote Rosemary's Baby in '67. Okay. Stepford Wives in '72. Boys from Brazil in '76, and then he wrote and directed Death Trap. Wow. The play. Mousetrap. No, Death Trap is a. Is a movie and a play. Okay. Mousetra- it plays off Mousetrap. Ah, uh, okay. So it's yeah. not Agatha Christie's story. It's a homage to it. Yes. So and she there, doesn't get royalties. There's a movie of Death Trap with Christopher Reeves, uh, Reeves in it. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was hitting them out of the park one after yeah, another. Yeah, he was. 
he he had a good 70s. Well, and it's I think it's a good reference. It's an apt reference because especially when the parents council, the council of Karens find out that Debbie's dead. Yeah. This woman that they all hated, they're all like holding each other and, oh. and pretending to be super sad in all the same way. I'm glad I'm glad that Jones and Barnaby are both like this is a pile of crap. Mm-hmm. We know this is a pile of crap yeah. right now. Yeah, we've we've been around these kind of people before. Yes. And and Beatrix is the perfect representative of them because when she's face to face with Barnaby, she's like Oh, poor Debbie. I mean, you know, we went to school together. Yeah. And as soon as he turns his back, her face just drops. Yeah. Like, she's. I'm done acting. On to the next thing. We received a letter that she had an inappropriate relationship with a married man. I'm like, you're a midsummer woman. <laughs> Who's not? Can you imagine being called into your kid's school and them questioning you about your love life? Oh, No. No, no. That is right out. Right out. When Sylvia Montford talks to Barnaby about the scholarship, the dairy scholarship. Yes. Parents must refrain from liquor, body language, brawling, games of chance, dice, or playing cards, blasphemy, or Congress outside of wedlock. And I think they all do all of them in this episode. Mm-hmm. So are we supposed to think that Debbie, who is a mother... Yep. Is divorced or widowed. Because God forbid she not be married to Holly's dad. Yes. Holly can't even start to go to school there because just her existence would break one of the rules. Yes. So she must have. Must have. Been divorced or something. We never hear anything about. Well, Holly's only a blip. Yeah. So. Holly soon disappears. Her uh, Holly's grandmother, uh, Debbie's mom, doesn't even get a credit. No, she (laughs) did. In the mom, mom, I got a part situation she's last on the totem pole i looked hard for examples of other like real world scholarships of any sort that have parental requirements yeah and other than scholarships based on the fact that your parents graduated from the same school or some kind of ethnic or religious thing in your family i couldn't find any that had requirements for parents They're all about the kids. Yes. Now, I did find a lot of weird scholarships, though. Oh, okay. Like the nudist scholarship. Whoa. For for kids who come from, what do they call them? Naturalist. Naturalist. Families. And want to pursue naturalist. Studies. Lifestyles. Duck calling scholarships. Whoa. There's one called Gamers Helping Gamers that's for... um, College kids who like to play Magic the Gathering, the card game. Oh, that's good. There's a parapsychology scholarship. My favorite is the Scholarship for Aggressive Scholarship Applicants. Oh. It's a scholarship that goes to someone who has applied for the most scholarships. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to give them a list of all of the ones you've applied for. Do you know what scholarship I got when I was going to school? No. I got money from the Women's Institute. Oh, the WI? WI. Jam in Jerusalem? Did you have to make jam to get it? No, I had to come and talk to them every year. And never mind that my mom was the president at that time. And never mind that I was their Santa for five years, too. (laughs) What I don't get about this school is that if you can afford the tuition, you can basically do whatever you want. 
Yeah. Like, you can be a serial killer as long as you can pay the tuition. But if you're poor, you're being held to much higher standards. Yes. Which has always been the case, right? Yeah. These people who think that the amount of money you have in your bank account is a reflection of your morality, your quality as a yes. person. Oh, those poor people. We got to keep them under strict leash, you know? Yeah. It's just horrible. We got an all hours. I love all the phrase all you hours. You always tell the kids don't stay up all hours. Don't stay up all hours. It's, and I think they did the the naughty underwear pics really well done in the cop shop where they weren't like luridly looking at them or anything. I don't even think it's um, Martine McCutcheon's body. You know, If think? you look at them, it's either her face or a headless body. I'll have to look at them again. I... <laughs> Oh, the hardship. Martine McCutcheon is not a tiny woman. No, she's not. She's got some curves. Yeah. And the girl in the underwear is a bit on the thin side. I don't think it's her. Again, I'll have to have a closer look. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm researching maggots and you're looking at underwear pictures. I'm real excited about that. Great. We we each have crosses to bear. We do. Oliver we do. is the worst husband ever. Um substitute human for husband. He's the worst human ever. They do such a good job of being a couple who hates each other, who is pretending not to hate each other in front of other people. They do such a good job. They're very good. Yes. They're like snapping at each other. Can I have a cup of tea? Barnaby walks in the door and it's a unified front. Yep, absolutely. But wow. she had a lot less to lose than I did. Oh, you just want to put I want to hit him so yes. much. So much. Yeah. They talked to Caxton about it, and he says something about the British cheese board being a quango. Well, okay, so Midsummer Blue got gold in 2010 from the British Cheese Awards. Mm-hmm. And then, then he says that quango thing. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? So a quango, it's it's short for a quasi NGO. Okay. Which is a non governmental organization. Yes. Right. So it's a pejorative, meaning that it's a non government organization that's doing something that is quasi-governmental, and they usually receive all their funding from the government. But they're not part of the government. No, 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 no. So they don't have to be held to the same regulations. Okay. So they can do things like, "Mm, I don't know, take bribes and stuff, like Oliver's doing, and get away with it. Yes. Right? The dairy board. I I love that it's the British cheese board. Yeah. Like a cheese board. Like a cheese board. (laughs) The only cheese-related uh, thing not used as a murder weapon in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there are some other cheese-related tools that could have been used. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. But the thing I like about Mr. Caxton is he has a secret cheese shack. <laughs> cheese shack, baby. It's a boathouse yep. where he keeps his maggot cheese. That he imports <laughs> illegally. Is he making the maggot cheese or buying it? He's importing it. Okay. And they're not supposed to have it. So he sinks it to the bottom of a, of a pond. Like, you just killed all those maggots. You just drowned all those maggots. Yep. It's so awful. Not really. <laughs> so I, that, okay, Lisa, credit to you if you named the, the, the big uh, 
the big milk company because conglomerate unidairy is the best is the most perfect yep. generic big brother name without sounding like generic big brother name conglomerate unidary yep. is perfect <laughs> and it spells cud yes <laughs> Poppy is refusing to eat animals. <laughs> that just is a sign that she's been talking to her vigilante vegan brother. I'll be at the pub if you need me. Yeah, you go. He drinks all by himself. He does the drink dissolve. That's that's my the tiny problem I have with this episode, the drink dissolve, because it's it's such a cliche. Do you think they picked that house because it had a, a path from the backyard straight to the pub? I guess, maybe. Because <laughs> it's very convenient that he can stumble home and back again without having to cross a road. <laughs> I mean, come on, face it, admit it. If if our backyard led to a pub, you'd, you'd like that. I would. I would. <laughs> Though, I'm a little scary about strange women and cheese wires. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's a little weirdness here where is she weighing, laying in wait for him? I guess. Like he must head to the pub every night after dinner. I, I imagine that he I does. I would assume so. so. So Haley. The killer is Haley. Spoiler. Hello. Um, recap podcast. We spoil things. Um, yeah. So Haley's hanging out in the woods with a cheese wire. Yeah. Which is basically a garrote. Okay. And, and okay, how do you transport the maggots to the crime scene? If um, you're in the a killer? little in a little container. Like a little glass container? Sure. Or okay. in your pocket. But then <laughs> you don't have a maggot pocket? Maggot, <laughs> that's going in the name it's of the episode. It's fun to say maggot pocket. Maggot pocket. <laughs> you gotta keep him in a maggot pocket. So she kills him with the cheese wire, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's a little bit drunk. Yeah. So the, because she's not a very strong-looking woman. No, but uh, killing somebody with a garrote is, is not hard as long as you can stay out of their reach. Yes. And there are cheese wires that don't break, though every cheese wire I've ever bought broke. And there's no difference between a cheese wire and a clay cutter. Yes. Like, I, I have half a dozen of those things. Yeah. Just so you know. But we have not, to and say. that's not a threat or anything. That Richard Delane, <laughs> who plays Oliver Ordish. I love how you were like, anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> Richard Delane, who plays Oliver Ordish, uh, is the trooper of the episode. Wow. Okay, before we get to that, where does Haley get the maggots? I don't know. Because she's not involved in the importation of the illegal gross cheese. No. So is she raising her own maggots? <laughs> <laughs> And they're special. They're Sardinian maggots. But what I love about... They are like, I am a French maggot. <laughs> what I, or are they Italian? Italian. What I, I love, don't know what that accent was. It was bad no matter what it was. Wee oui, wee, oui, oh, I'm a maggot. What I love... I like baguettes. What they I, didn't have tiny mustaches. <laughs> love about this show... Mm and we have to talk to Lisa about this, is we look at that and just go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mouthful of maggots. You know, because it's midsummer. They're it message maggots. <laughs> They're message maggots. So, yes. Okay, so 
So Richard Delane, who plays Oliver Ordish. He gets the script. He's like, <laughs> oh, I get to be like. Oh, I like Midsummer. It'll be fun to be in an episode. and interesting with yeah. my wife. And we have like, the actors love those scenes where two things are going on at yeah. once. And he must have read this and been like, oh, this is pretty good. And then he must have got to a sentence in the script that said, what? <laughs> what? What happens after my character dies? Mama, what? What? Maybe they left it out. <laughs> they sprung it on him on the set. So he is. Mag- Wait a minute. I know that guy. He's a maggot handler. Why is he here? <laughs> I saw Steve the maggot handler, and I want to know why he's on set. Because you're no. They're, oh, they're my mouth. Oh, oh, okay. They're going in my mouth. Because I've already signed the, the contract. The only other Damn time it. that we've seen maggots. <laughs> Yeah. This is the second appearance of maggots in Midsummer. Yes. <laughs> was on the arm wound of the guy in, in the, the car. In the car. Yeah. Which is like you put a wound on, it's got latex and everything. Yeah, they're You're not like, even oh, touching put you. Put some maggots on there. I don't no. care. They're in his mouth. So and right near his nose. I can only imagine they put like a dental dam in his mouth, like Something. what you get at the dentist when they're doing work on your yeah. mouth, or like a mouth guard thing, like a mouth guard thing, yeah. exactly. So they can't accidentally go down his throat or get caught in his teeth. Okay, then they just ladled some maggots on top of it and said, "Hold real still. Don't look around and don't breathe too hard." Because wow. <laughs> remember, you're also dead. What a God damn dead body yes. he does. We're just going to give it away right now. Best corpse yeah. is Oliver. At there first, is no question. And the thing is, this is an episode full of best corpses. Yes. But I not even like, the guy in the crop circle with his ass showing no, had to have no. maggots in yeah, his we mouth. We have a new all-time contender. Absolutely. And at first, in my notes, it says, would those maggots stay in his mouth? And then the next note is, oh my God, they're real. What a trooper. <laughs> There's no CGI maggots here. My notes say, OMG, maggots in his mouth, and there are five exclamation <laughs> points. <laughs> wow. Now, you know, you never know. I mean, Richard Delane may have a thing about him. Like, there are people who, who eat maggots as a form of protein. That, um, I don't think they eat them alive. Oh. It's a health hazard. You want to know why? This is why that cheese is illegal in the U.S. Okay. and in the EU. Okay. You owe me for okay. this. <laughs> Just saying. That casu marzu, that Sardinian cheese with the maggots in it. Yeah. Where these maggots come from. It's illegal in the U.S. and in the EU for a reason, and not just because it's gross, okay? Because let's be clear. The reason why that cheese is so soft, it is that it has been pre-digested by maggots. Yeah. It's been in one end and out the other. We, we maybe need another spoil, uh, warning as part of the episode. <laughs> oh, I buckle up, Buttercup, because you okay. don't know nothing yet. Okay. The reason it's illegal is not just because it's gross. It's because there's a health hazard related to pseudomyasis. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad it ends with myasis. <laughs> this cheese is going nowhere near my ass. <laughs> Which is what happens if you're eating maggot cheese. They don't kill the maggots first. Okay. You just eat them. Yeah. If you don't chew well enough and you swallow one whole because they can survive. Oh, <laughs> I might have to tap out here. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, most people, it's they're asymptomatic. Yeah. Like, they don't even know that it happened. Yeah. It just, you know, passes through and you're fine. Yeah. Um, But... Some people have abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and that's before they even know that they've swallowed maggots. <laughs> but oh, oh it gets no, there was going there. Wait a minute, it gets worse. Oh. It gets worse. It's not even good to get them on you, and this is why Richard Delane is such a trooper. Okay, because pseudomyasis is if you get them in your gastrointestinal system yes but they can go other places <laughs> um other quote anatomic sites sites including and and these are in easy to worst okay okay skin yeah eye uh. ear uh. nasopharynx yeah don't laugh real hard when you're eating that cheese those maggots can go up your nose oh uh. I and, got maggots up my nose. And the genitourinary tract. <laughs> oh, you went there. <laughs> I got maggots in my junk. Oh, you didn't have to Google it. You Don't do an to image it. search. Don't image search it, people. Wow, Sarah took one for every... I'm not daring you. I'm telling you. I'm warning you. I'm pleading with you. I did it already. Don't do it. We did it for you, maniacs. If one of those had gone up his nose, it would have oh. been very bad. Oh. Why does anybody eat that cheese? If listeners, if any of you have ever tried Kasu Marzu, we want to know why. Yeah. Why a, did you eat it? It is a food like all Scottish food. You eat on a dare. No, 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 no. Because Scottish food may be bland and, and tasteless sometimes. That's the stereotype. It's not still alive. <laughs> oh. If you have eaten it, were you being held hostage? Was there a gun to your head? Did they have your child? How were you convinced to try it? How was anybody ever convinced to try it? I do not get that. Mom, mom, I got a part. In Midsummer, mom, I got a part in Midsummer. Mm -hmm. I'm PC Milton. The The worst worst protection officer ever. Well, PC Milton, it says here that you were charged with protecting a child that you lost. Yeah. Who just got up and walked away, followed a stranger, seeming stranger. Yep. A hooded vegan vigilante off into the woods. Yep. Good job, PC Milton. Way to go. You don't even get a first name. She doesn't deserve a first name. She's bad at her job. After Poppy wanders off, they're interviewing Beatrix in her living room. And there is a beautiful painting above her fireplace. It's just gorgeous. It's a portrait of a woman with a a hat in her hands. It's gorgeous. It's not framed. We'll put a screenshot uh, in the notes. I looked it up trying to find the artist. It's so gorgeous. I'd love to know who painted it. The way the light falls on her face is just absolutely... And we're not just talking about that because we need a brainwash after the maggot conversation. It really is a pretty painting. So if if you recognize it, let us know who you think it is. Uh, Boy... Um, so much it's a good ha- thing he didn't swallow him by reflex. Ah! Okay. <laughs> okay. So much happens in this episode. Like Oliver we, is taking bribes from Gregory. We have not even talked about the dog in this episode. No, yet. we'll talk about him all at once. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, and about the anniversary. Yeah. So we find out that Oliver was dirty. Yep. Right? He's taking bribes from Gregory. Yep. Putting them in a secret account in exchange for helping Gregory get 
Midsummer Blue into like some supermarket chains and making a deal with you know a big. It's a, big... a bit payola. It's it's not really the worst crime that Oliver does. No, he certainly doesn't deserve Maggot Mouth for it. <laughs> Nobody deserves Maggot Mouth. Nobody. I hope they. I hope he got a bonus fee for that as an actor. That dude took one for the team. Phew. Whew. Then poor Poppy. She she runs away, they find her, and then she gets stuck with the world's most boring babysitter. Okay. The babysitter who doesn't even get a line. Her name's Emily. She says hi. Yep. She says hi. No, she says hi. And then PC Milton does all the talking for her after that. Hi. And Poppy goes, hi. It is it is the height of Mom Mama got apart. It is why do I get stuck with Emily, Mom? Yeah. Don't we have a fun babysitter? Yes. Oh, it's Emily. <laughs> Let me row out these cheeses into the middle of the river and throw them away in the most suspicious ways possible. I don't care how he gets rid of them. I mean, kill it with fire for all I'm concerned. That is some gross crap in that bag. Do whatever you got to do, Jim. Make it go away. <sighs> then Gregory gets killed, right? Yes. Alarm goes off. Gets lured out to the barn, gets stabbed with a cheese needle. Yes. Do you know what a cheese needle is? So you put a cheese needle into cheese. They say to put holes in cheese, but isn't it to like check the inside of the cheese when it's being made? Yes. So cheese needles come in two styles. Okay. There's one that is like a tiny straw. So you... you Stab it in, yep. and when you pull it out, you get like a tiny core sample yeah. of the cheese. It's like a core sample of cheese. Yes, but it's very tiny. Yes. The second kind of uh, cheese needle is actually screw-shaped at the end. Oh, that's so, not what he's killed with. So you stick it you stick it part of the way in, and then you turn it without letting it go any further, and it kind of drills in and results in a bit of cheese coming out. Yes. The idea is that you're taking the smallest sample possible because you're not trying to expose the inside yes. of the cheese too much. Yeah. And and you usually do something to kind of patch it back with, with the soft cheese anyway. There was no patching of Greg. What they could have used is a trier. What's a trier? It is a cheese core a sampler. It's what you've probably seen on TV. It's got like a handle... And then the end of it is like a tube that's about the size of your thumb or slightly Ooh. bigger. And you shove that in. And when you pull it out, you get a, a cylinder of cheese that's, you know, like an inch wide. Yeah. If they had put that in him, you shove that in somebody. Whew. There would have been squirts. Yeah. I think it would have been like a fountain. Yeah. Especially going right into his heart. Instead, Haley just has really good aim, apparently. She skewers him with it. It's for holes in cheese, not cheese makers. <laughs> yeah. His wife discovered him. Yeah, she did. <laughs> right Immediately after, after she, did she stabbed it. him. Yeah, what do you know? She just, she happened to still be there. It's, it's amazing. And then we find out that basically anybody who's not getting super good grades gets expelled if they're yeah. on scholarship. I guess so that Sylvia can keep the standards of the school really high. I guess. So their G- their GPAs are really high so they can keep attracting the non-scholarship kids. And who is the expert in this? Sarah Barnaby. Barnaby. Oh, wait a minute. She's in this episode? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's in the episode. So the idea is that 
all these kids left the fancy school, but there weren't actual behavior issues. Mm -mm. Yeah. The only thing they did wrong was not get straight A's. So instead of helping them, they expelled them to keep the GPA standard really high. What I don't understand. Well, okay. Haley is nutsy Bobo. Yes. Because she goes and has tea with all the people she's about to kill. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Hattie Morahan, who plays her, yeah. is really good at this kind of role because yes. she's got really bright, big eyes and she doesn't blink very often nope. if she doesn't want to. Nope. And so she really looks like beautiful but crazed at the same time. Yes. And even when she goes to apologize to Helen and brings her an entire wheel of blue cheese, who can eat that much blue cheese? I love blue cheese, but that's a lot of cheese. That's a lot of blue cheese. And the apology is... It's 16 pounds of blue cheese. My apology is for you to come and apologize to me Mm. so I can decide whether or not to kill you or not. Oh, I've decided to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't appreciate my cheese. No. Because your husband killed himself and I didn't show up to say sorry and, and commiserate with you. I waited until my husband and I moved back. And then we basically put you out of business. Then I killed you. So. But it was the cows who actually killed you. <laughs> killed by your own cows. Attack cows. They they wouldn't do it. Now, well, maybe they would. I grew up on a farm. I've been around cows a long time. Now, these are dairy cows. Mm. But I've been around beef cattle my entire life. The way cows hurt you is on accident. They accidentally step on your foot. And I think that's the impression we're supposed to get here, too. They're just, they're being funneled into a space that's tight. They accidentally push you into a wall. That happened to my dad. He cracked a rib, Mm -hmm. you know. But cows wouldn't, they're not malicious. Well, mother cows with calves can be and bulls can be. Can be. But on the whole. But that's nothing These are cows that are used to a routine of going in and out of the milking parlor. Yeah. So... Chances are, you know, but they're they're trapped. Yeah. They go in and they can't get back out. And poor, okay, this is the death of Helen and Jim. Yes. Who have just realized that That they they both kind of love each other. And they have this fate. They are also complete innocents. They don't have to die. Jim certainly I'm sorry. He could have hauled her up. If they were standing up, they would have survived just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, we get his... Broken glasses. Yes. The tragedy of his broken glasses. Yes. I wondered if cows would trample you. I know how you feel about cows and that they're so stupid. I know they're stupid. I know they always do exactly the opposite of what you ask them to do. But they are, they're not aggressive. aggressive animals. I wanted to know, like, how common is it for cows to kill people? Okay. And, and the, you needed a brain... It was be- it was after. a better topic. Yes. I'd rather talk about trampling cows than... Um, who knew cheese could be so disturbing? Ugh. In the U.S., cows kill about 20 people a year. Okay. Ladders kill more people than cows. I think they kill more people than sharks, though. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But there are all these guides for ramblers in the U.K. about cow safety. Okay. Put out by like Country Living Magazine and things like that, like the the UK Ramblers Association, on how not to be trampled by cows. Okay, cows 
unless scared, won't trample you at all, right? And second of all, they're curious, mm. right? They'll come up to you. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're in, especially like a lot of cows are trained this way. They see people and they get fed. Right. So when they see other people, they, they go, run up do you to have you food? and say, do you have food? Like a cat would. And if you don't, they go, okay. Yeah. And wander off. And if you shoo them away, they'll leave right away. Mm-hmm. They're very docile like that. You say that. They do. <laughs> I was reading these these tips. Okay. And some of them are just outrageous. Okay. If cows are charging you because they're reacting to a dog that's with you, let the dog go so you can get to safety. Dog almost certainly can take care of itself. (laughs) Sacrifice your dog for your own safety, right? No. So now a dog's on a leash, but free among cows. No. He's screwed. Yeah. Do not put yourself in further danger by trying to walk around cows in an alpine meadow if doing so will expose you to cliffs or other steep exposed terrain. No. Do cows push you off cliffs? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought cow tipping was knocking cows over when they were sleeping, not no. them pushing you off steep they alpine they terrain. They kind of nudge you off the cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of like not on purpose, but oops, did I do that kind yeah. of way? <laughs> If you detect an aggressive cow or a threatening group of cows, so now we got cow gangs. Cow gangs. They're like, when you're a jet, you're a jet, you know? Jets and sharks of cows. Keep moving calmly and do not make direct eye contact. They will pick up on you looking at them. However, keep your body facing the cow and never turn your back. So are you supposed to shuffle sideways to get where you're going and never look at them? I guess. If they're being aggressive? I've never had a problem with cows like that. The thing about cows is that I think scares a lot of people is if you're not used to cows, they're much bigger than you think they mm-hmm. are. Right? And if they're curious, they'll yeah. get close to you. And, close and, you're to not... you. and it's a big animal close to you. Yeah. Which is for somebody who grew up in the city or something like that. It's a disconcerting situation. I think if Jim hauled Helen to her feet, now granted she had been hit on the head with a shovel, so she's not all there, right? But if he had hauled her to her feet and she had said, whoa, those cows know her, they probably would have made room for her. Yes, because you can't call cows. No, but you can yell at them. No, you can call cows. Yeah. However, I would much rather have cows than pigs. Oh, pigs? Pigs are dirty, smart, terrible murderers. (laughs) Because on the same page. (laughs) They're horrible animals. On the same page as these guides to how to walk through a pasture with cows and not get killed is a warning that says such rules do not apply to pigs, however. No. Pigs are mean and aggressive and smart. It's like you wrote this, but you didn't. In 2016, in Townsend, Massachusetts, a wife suffered lacerations and other injuries severe enough that her husband rushed her to the hospital after being caught in a pen with some pigs. Pigs will do that to you, man. So they rushed her, attacked her, jumped on her, lacerated her with their little hooves. Yep. And she had to go to the hospital. When the husband came home from the hospital, the same pigs attacked him and severed an artery. So they have grudges. Yeah. Pigs pigs will remember you. We wanted her and you took her away. So now we're going to get you instead. Yep. He survived. Pigs are 
Whew. Wild pigs are worse. Oh, yeah. Boars are crazy. Boars are crazy. But I, I would rather cross a field with some cows in it than have to oh, enter yeah. a pig pen. Oh. Any day. Any day. Haley and Beatrix go to school for the weirdest after-school meeting ever. With Sylvia. With Sylvia and her strange chairs. Sylvia has a beautiful study befitting of the, the, the head of a private academy. Yes. And she has these... Gorgeous leather chairs. They're fantastic. They're knoll chairs. Yes. Now, if you're a long-time listener of Midsummer Maniacs, you might recognize knoll chairs. They are the chairs that have the weird knobs and ropes and tassels on the back because they are the original sofa beds. Yes. Right? So the idea is that the arms can be, the, the ropes are lifted off of the knobs that lets the arms lay down and it turns into like a day bed. However... I do not understand Sylvia's chairs. No. They are leather knoll chairs. They're chairs. They're, it's not a sofa. They're usually, it's usually a love seat, like a two-seater. Yep. Where the sides fall down. The sides fall down, and that makes them flat with the seat. However, hers just have these giant leather wings that you can lower, but they're on top of the arms. Yeah. So there's no way you would ever be able to lay down, but they're also not like... It's not like a desk. The hinges are in the weird place. I don't understand them. And again, I looked all over. I could not find anything similar to it no. that made any sense. We'll put a picture we'll in the show We'll post a picture and you can check it out. Helen has to die because she was part of the group that picked on Haley, right? Yes. And Jim dies only because he happens to be there. Yes. The fact that the two of them were importing illegal cheese. Red herring. Which must fetch a lot of money if it's enough to kind of like save her farm. Yeah. People pay that much for maggot cheese? Back to maggots. But I mean, it must. (laughs) Yep. That's not the only illegal cheese in the United States. Most illegal cheeses in the United States are because they're unpasteurized milk. In the U.S., we're like, you got to pasteurize everything because, you know, we're we're really kind of overprotective. There's also a cheese called Mimolette. Yeah. Which is illegal in the United States because they introduce mites to the outside of it to enhance its flavor. And if there's too many mites per square inch, you can't import it into the United States. What is it? Like, cheese already has live bacteria in it. Why do you have to keep adding more live things to it, people? So this is the big confrontation at the school, right? Sylvia is like, Because this has everything to do with the school and bullying that happened 25 years ago. Why are we just hearing about this now? I don't know. I don't know. But Sylvia's like, look here, girls, to Beatrix and, and uh, Haley. We all know what's going on. I've had enough of this fighting amongst the two of you, blah, 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 blah drama, whatever. And Haley's like, well, I'm just going to leave and sneak upstairs because I've poisoned both of you. Yes. <laughs> when does she poison them? Uh, when she puts the maggots in his mouth. <laughs> like, she should have said to Beatrix and, and uh, Sylvia, look over there. Yeah. <laughs> look, a maggot. <laughs> and drugs their tea. Jake saves her because he's her son. Yes. And he loves calves. But man, when Haley hits Sylvia. Yeah. I was like, ow, whack. She just like yeah. punches her. Yeah. The Bully Squad, the worst superhero team of all time. <laughs> 
Apparently, they locked her in a cabinet in the chemistry you're, lab, you're which would absolutely science. suck. You knew, you're the new science teacher mm. at this school. Oh, this is your room. It has pipettes and Bunsen burners. And burners. And What's this thing here? Oh, that's the... Torture cabinet. Torture cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Note that it has a lock on the outside to keep things in. <laughs> <laughs> She turns on all the gas. I always hated science. You always hated people. Yeah. You always hated everything. Turns on all the gas, locks Sylvia up. She easily could have broken through that door. I'm thinking. I don't know. I mean, how dazed is she from getting punched in the head? Yeah, I can imagine Sylvia putting her back to it and just kicking out with both feet. Yeah, she's that a big little, lady. That little brass slider lock yeah, is not going to keep her no, in. But no. she's dazed from being punched in the head, and now she's being gassed. All the burners are on. It's a rotten egg smell, and it drives Barnaby insane because <laughs> instead of just opening the window, he starts throwing shit. Well, it's, it's faster than opening it, and you never know. If you slide a window open, it might make a spark. Maybe. But if you throw a stool through a window, no problem. Yep. Jones arrives. Remember Jones is in this episode? Yeah, he is. He certainly, this is his last episode. They don't make a thing about it, Mm -hmm. but they don't use him all that much either. No, no, no. So they arrest Haley. Yep. But Jones says to Sylvia, it's over. As if like she's done something wrong. Yeah. Which I guess means everybody's going to know about your school. I guess. And this this thing you're doing to kids that but don't perform everybody well knows enough. it already. I'm sure. And like there's a statute of limitations on being bullied in high school. I think there's a limit. You need to let it go. Yeah. Get some therapy. Yeah. Work it out. And that's it's, it's horrible. It should never happen, but it shouldn't ruin your life or make you kill five people. Well, okay. So there's I I'm, I'm this is Mark's personal corner here. Okay. I was bullied We're in, in a high safe school. space. Mm-hmm. I hated living in the country. Mm-hmm. I never killed anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What if you had to go back for six months? Would you snap? I might snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that next time you want to go home and visit. I'll be like, um, yep. how long are you going to stay? Yep. <laughs> are you going to kill anybody? Uh, do you have a backup plan to get out? Yeah. <laughs> if if your car breaks down, can you helicopter out before you get homicidal? Well, and we need to ask Lisa when we talk to her. Like, you know, is Haley driven crazy because she's a writer and she can't write? Or she just hates the country that <laughs> or much. Or she just hates the country. Yeah. Or Which, it's a combo. I'm combination. sorry. Take the train to town for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Greg you're going to stay in London with some friends. Yeah. Just. Get out before you kill people. Jeez, come on. You have alternatives. Speaking of alternatives, there is a B story that we have not talked about the entire episode. Sykes and the Ring. Sykes and the Ring. I like it because we get to see Sykes a lot. We do. He's great. And I felt like I did the research, part of this research before Fanny and then part of this research after Fanny and it it, it made it easier. Because Sykes is in it and he's yeah, cute. he's cute. He's such a good dog. Yeah. But he has swallowed a ring. Yes. That John has bought for Sarah for their anniversary. Because he got mixed up with the dog treats. Sandwich. It was sandwich. a sandwich. Sandwich, yes. Yeah. So he swallowed it. And so Barnaby's keeping him around because he's waiting for him to poop so he can find the ring. And he has a little plastic fork. With a fork. 
if you were in this situation, wouldn't you go a little bit further away from where people are if you thought you might have to do that? Instead of right out in front of the station? Where people are just passing by all the time? Why does he have to wear... A cone? A cone. I guess it's just part of the, oh, he's hurt. Yeah. So he's got to wear the cone and a bandage. Yeah. And Jones and Kate figure this out. Yeah. So... So they're waiting for the the big reveal. Yes. And then Sarah looks at the ring like, oh, I know where this has been now. Yes. Through Sykes' system. (laughs) I'm sure he cleaned it very well. Um, It's it's organic matter versus metal. It's going to come off. It's their 15th wedding anniversary. Yes. Which is the crystal anniversary. Oh, he should have bought her some crystal, which would have been worse for poor Sykes. (laughs) <laughs> a decanter's not going through there easily. Well, the modern gift for a 15th anniversary is a watch. Oh, okay. That's not any better. No, I don't want to do that. We celebrated our 13th anniversary a while back. Do you know what it is? Um, candy corn. Lace. Lace. The modern version is textiles. See, so you should have bought me a blanket or something. Something. They don't really go in order. No, they Have don't. you ever seen this I've list? I've seen this list, and there are a number of questions on it. Like, the first through the ninth are relatively kind of low end, because they're your early anniversaries. And everybody knows that, like, 25 is golden, and 50 is diamond. No, 25 is silver. Oh, yeah. 50th is gold. Okay. Um, But your 11th is steel. I've bought you an ingot. Yes. And then and then they go um, they go up in a way that you would expect, right? They go pearl, ruby, sapphire, gold, emerald, diamond, blue sapphire, platinum. But if you make it to your 80th anniversary, wow, which means you were married when you were five or something. Yes. Uh, do you know what it is? What is it? Oak. Oak. That's kind of backpedaling, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It should be like the moon. Yeah. <laughs> or also, who came up with this? This sounds like some jewelry reseller thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's your third anniversary, so it's zarconian. Yeah. Well, for your sixth, the anniversary is iron, but the modern version is sugar. <laughs> I'll give you some sugar, sugar. So this is modern from one to one to nine, okay? Yeah. A clock, china, crystal or glass, fruit. Fruit? Silverware, sugar, wool, pottery, and linen. Those are all silly. You should get your partner whatever you want. Of course you should. Yep. But oak, I'm sorry, if you make it to your 80th anniversary, you get whatever you want. Are you ready? For best corpse. So we did mom, mom, get apart. Yeah. All through this. It's the babysitter and PC Milton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. He has maggots in his mouth. Oliver, hands down. No contest. Best corpse of the modern age. Perhaps best corpse of all time in Midsummer. At least most committed actor. Yeah, because he's a known actor, but in the crop circle, the guy doesn't even get a name in the credits. Yeah, this guy has been in lots of things. Richard Delane has yep. been in all kinds he's of great stuff. great actor. Great he's actor. a good actor. Wow. Whew. Helen is played by Kate Ashfield. Do you recognize her? Yes. She's been in a ton of stuff. I don't recognize her. Specific. She's been the girlfriend in, in two really good things. One is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, she oh, that's right. She's awesome the girlfriend in Shaun, of the Dead in Shaun of the Dead with uh, Simon Peg. Peg. 
The other thing that Nick she Frost. was in that I really liked was The Baker with yes, Damian Lewis. She's the, the baker with Damian, Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis is an assassin who's in yep. hiding, so he pretends to be a baker. That's it's, a really good movie. It's we a, should watch that again. It's a again. fun movie. We should wa- I love Damien Lewis. If you so. haven't seen it, go go watch it. It's on Netflix, and I think yep. it's even on um, Prime, too. Yeah. Uh, the Baker with Damien Lewis and Absolutely. Kate Ashfield. Very, very good. Yeah. After the credits, is this the end of Midsummer Cheese? I don't, I don't know who's left. There's almost more people in the, in the murders in the episode section than the supporting cast section. Mm-hmm. Nobody owns, uh, nobody's around to run the dairy. No. The Who dairy farm. Who owns the dairy at this point? Uh, Haley. I guess. But she's going to prison she's forever. Go- ever. They don't have any kids, apparently. Nope. Maybe she's got another sibling. Maybe she was the oldest, and so she inherited, and that's, maybe she's got a younger sibling who could take it. That's the best we can hope for but for the, the dairy. the cheese maestro is gone. Who's going to know how to make the cheese? And who's running the Caxton farm now? Cheese is just dead in the water at this place. Yeah. Cheese is done. And I think if what Jones says presages anything, I think that the school is probably in hot water, too. Yep. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Beatrix comes out the best at being drugged, not murdered, and forming a relationship with her son. Yeah. That's the best. And, drug- and Poppy's okay. Yep. So, and she's rid of Oliver, who was just a horrible human being, though played by a very good actor. Yes. And Holly also has a tough time of things. Holly's going to go live with her grand, who she spent a lot of time with anyway. Yeah. It's just... Whew. Wow. Crazy, crazy all over the place. Are you ready for a horrible movie? I'm ready for a horrible movie. I've got one for you. Oh, boy, do I. This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. This movie is a doozy. Okay. Are you ready? when, When was this movie released? 2008. 2008, okay. And Lucy Lehman, who plays Beatrix in this episode, is in this movie. Okay. The main character is a taxi driver who has experienced childhood trauma. Okay. The trauma has made him a portal for obsessions to pass from the mind to the physical world and hence disrupt the world's multiple planes of reality. Extraterrestrials that police the universe threaten to kill his friends unless he conquers his past. Yeah, there's time travel, multiple universes, and aliens. This sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. No. It's got three and a half, 3.2 of, out of 10, 10 on Oof. IMDb. Oof. This is a bad movie. You giving up? Yeah. Mind flesh. Mind flesh. Okay. The uh, guy who plays the hat seller in the Bertram's Hotel is in it, too. Oh, okay. Mind flesh, 2008. Wow. A psychosexual horror thriller about obsession. Wow. Is that a made-for-TV movie? No. Oh. Theater movie. I got to look that up and watch it, man. Mind flesh. <laughs> I'll put more notes about that in the show notes. There you go. I get the point for the week. You do. Hoo-ah. All right. Midsummer Maniacs can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We're also on the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit and anywhere else you find Maniacs. I've really been loving the subreddit lately. There's been lots of discussion about very diverse things. Mm-hmm. And again, I really want to heartfully thank you all for all the love we got. Thank you for your support. It it made it a lot easier to get through it. Sarah, we have 
two subscribers away from getting 500 subscribers on, on YouTube? YouTube. Two away. Two. So you and a friend. You must know two people. <laughs> it's like a public radio fun like drive. You and a friend is all it will take. Ten dozen YouTube accounts. Never mind that we need a thousand to do what yeah. we want to do, but we're close to 500. Hey, 500's a, a mark. Every, every step counts. Yep. Don't forget, if you have a question for Lisa Holdsworth, who wrote this episode and a few more, you can find her on IMDb if you look, click on writer on this episode. Yep. If you have a question for her, send it to us in the next 48 hours or so via email or Twitter or Instagram or wherever, um, and we'll be sure to ask her yeah, your question. And we're going to interview her. On the 13th. And that episode will be dropping on the 16th. Yep. And then we return to regular episodes with episode 96, season 16, episode 1. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. The Christmas haunting. Yes. It takes Christmas and hauntings and puts them together. It's like Halloween and Christmas. Thanksgiving, we don't care about that. No. Well, no. Not in England, Thanksgiving's already happened. That's true. That's so. true. So until Charlie then, Charlie arrives. Oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. You have Pikachu's cheeks. Yeah. You're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> First Charlie episode. All right. Until then, bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Did you want to talk about her milking parlor? Yeah, so... We kind of skipped over it. I but didn't, she's got udder machines. I didn't...